begin today uh, with the story of the wise folks from the Gospel of Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise ones, or the Magi, from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. And all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd to my people Israel. Then... Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me a word, so that I may go and also pay him homage. Yeah. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another way. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Please pray with me. Holy Christ, thank you for being embodied in the midst of us and blessing us with work to do in the world. Amen. When we tell the story of the Magi, or the wise men, the wise folks, or who have also been called the Three Kings, we often tell it as the last scene in the Christmas story, kind of like we did in the children's moment today. We're still in the stable. Mary and Joseph have arrived in Bethlehem only to find that there is no room for them in the inn. Mary gives birth to Jesus and lays him in a manger. The angels tell the shepherds, and the shepherds come, and the angels come. And then, then, the Magi arrive with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Our telling of the Christmas story like that takes the basic birth story from the Gospel of Luke, the manger, the angels, the shepherds, and weaves in elements from the Gospel of Matthew, namely the Magi. You can think of it as a scriptural mashup. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as we're clear about it. This has become part of our tradition. It's the way we have come to tell the story at Christmas. The story we tell at Christmas is the story of the amazing good news of Jesus' birth and how that was experienced in ever-expanding circles of humanity and the heavens by Mary and Joseph and the angels and the shepherds and wise folk. And then in this midwinter, this year, just a few weeks ago, again by us, God with us, in a stable in Bethlehem, yet again today, 
and always. But Epiphany, Epiphany, which we officially celebrate on January 6th, reminds us that it took the Magi a while to get there, a while to make their way all the way to Jesus. We have Christmas on December 25th, and then we have the 12 days of Christmas that end in Epiphany when we celebrate the arrival of the Magi and their experience of God made manifest in Jesus. That, that's what Epiphany means, to be made manifest. God made manifest in Jesus the child. Now I guess I've always known that it took the Magi more than those 12 days of Christmas to get to Jesus. But in my reading for this sermon, I found scholars who point out that it may have actually taken as long as two years. Two years for the Magi to get to Jesus. I had no idea. If you look at the textual evidence and other historical evidence, it had to have taken them at least 60 days. That's the quickest way they had gotten there if traffic was good and the lights were all in their favor. But it was probably closer to two years, so Jesus would have no longer been a baby, and they were no longer in that stable. I never knew. And that makes me wonder, what else don't we know about the Magi? Because here's all we really know. The gospel says that there are an unspecified number of Magi who see a star in its rising. These Magi understand the rising of the star to announce the birth of a king. They're astrologers. And so they set out to pay him homage to worship. They show up at King Herod's court first, asking about the star and the birth of a king, and King Herod panics and tries to get them to track down what could be a rival king for him. They, so Herod sends them on their way to Bethlehem. The Magi follow the star, and they find the child, the child Jesus, with his mother Mary in a house. The Magi experience Jesus and are filled with joy. They pay homage, they worship, and they give him the, the gifts that we know so well, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then they are warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and they go home by another way. That is what we know. That's it. Here's what we don't know about the Magi. We don't know exactly what these Magi are. We know that the Magi are not kings. To call them wise men or wise folks is more accurate but pretty general. They are probably astrologers and scholars. We don't know where they're from, probably Persia. We don't know for sure their religion except that they are not Jewish, they are Gentile. They are outsiders from somewhere who are the first to worship Jesus. We don't know how many of them there are. It doesn't say three Anywhere in the scripture, there are three gifts, but it doesn't say that there are only three magi. We just know that there are more than one because magi is plural. We don't know their gender. They don't all have to be men. We don't even know if they come from the same place. They could, or they could have seen the star each in their own home and set out to follow it on their own and then met up along the way, all of them following the same star and coming together in one journey. Now, I love the poetry of that. We don't know for sure how long it took them to get there. We don't know where they found Jesus, just that they found him in a house. That's what the text, scriptural text says, not a stable, probably in or somewhere around Bethlehem. You see... 
When we tell the story of the Magi, we begin with what we don't know. And that is right and fitting, because that's where the Magi begin this story too. The Magi begin with what they don't know. The Magi see a star in its rising, a star they have never seen before, and they wonder at what they don't know. What, what could this mean? And they set out on a journey toward what they don't know, into the unknown, to find out more, to experience more fully something that is entirely beyond everything they have known up until now. This isn't a story where folks know where they're going and they are given a map that shows them exactly how to get there. This is not Google Maps. It is also not a story where the birth of Jesus is announced and explained. In, in the, the world, this is Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and it's different from the Gospel of Luke. In Luke, God sends angels to bring strange greetings and glad tidings of great joy. They tell folks what is happening. In Matthew, God comes to the Magi in the night, offers them light from a distant star, some companions for the journey, direction from a dubious despot, and warnings in a dream. This is a story where the Magi are led by what they don't know. They see a star in its rising. They wonder, what could this mean? And they set out on a journey to, to learn more, to experience more. They follow the light of the star and take the first step. And then the next, each day, light enough for the next step. Together they find their way in their questions, in their conversations, in the strangers they meet along the way, even in a dream, and always, always by the light of that distant star. Each day, one step closer to what they don't know. Educational theorist Jack Mesero says that this is one of the primary ways that we learn by encountering and then engaging what we don't know. Mesro says that we move through the world uh, more or less at any given moment with a worldview that's based on what we've experienced up until now. And then we encounter something we've never encountered before, a new bit of information, a new question, a new experience, sometimes a disorienting experience, a disorienting experience, what he calls a disorienting dilemma, something that can't be explained completely by our worldview, by what we know now. And so we engage what we don't know. We gather the resources to figure it out. We gather a community. We take it apart along with our own worldview. We look at it from every angle. And then we put our worldview back together with this new information and this new experience in a way that makes sense. And then we act. We take the next step. We move forward with a more robust way of encountering the world until we encounter the next thing we don't know. The Magi find their way moment by moment, step by step, venturing out beyond what they've come to know up until now. Venturing toward what they don't know, focusing each moment on what they see in the light for the next step. A Zen practitioner might liken this to the practice of attention, of being fully present and alive to each moment. 
in our weekly transition support group, we're reading this lovely book, The Most Important Point, by Zen teacher Edward S.B. Brown, who lives just in Fairfax. S.B. Brown describes the practice of attention as looking at the present moment and only the present moment and seeing what is there, what he calls tasting the truth of the moment. He cautions, don't chase after the future, don't dwell in the past, live in the here and in the now. S.B. Brown explains that Zen and this practice of attention are to feel your way in the dark, to embrace the experience of the unknown without the need to control it, and to make our way like the Magi. Enough light for the next step, and then the next, and then the next, moving toward what we don't yet know. Writer Elizabeth Gilbert speaks of this in terms of curiosity. You may know Elizabeth Gilbert from her best-known work, Eat, Pray, Love. She's also written this book on living a creative life called Big Magic, Living a Creative Life Beyond Fear, in which she urges that we find our life by leaning into our curiosity. Gilbert says that in living our life, folks often ask, what is your passion? But that might be too broad or too lofty or inaccessible, she says, because, you know, how many passionate things can one person do in one week? She says that the more interesting question is, what is making you curious right now? And she says, go there. Go find out more. Go do something there and see where it leads you. What new question arises in you? Her point is that curiosity pushes us beyond what we know now beyond our fear and beyond our sense of limitation, beyond what we have experienced so far into what we have yet to experience and to learn and become. Curiosity. Curiosity pulls us out into what we don't know, and then it keeps us moving question by question, clue by clue, step by step. The Magi looked up into the night sky and saw a star in its rising and said, I wonder. And they followed their curiosity all the way to Jesus. Their curiosity was a gateway to epiphany, to experiencing God made manifest in the midst of us, and they never would have experienced that if they hadn't left home. This talk of curiosity seems timely as we stand on the threshold of a brand new year, as we wonder what lies ahead. In this new year season of intention setting and resolution making, here is another tool for discernment. In this moment, in this moment right now, what are you curious about? What questions are you bringing into this new year? These are questions for each one of us, and they're questions for us together. Here are some of the examples of lively curiosity that I see in our life together here, in our life together as a congregation. From my first Sunday with you, I have encountered a critical mass of folks within this congregation 
who are curious about learning more and engaging the work of dismantling racism. We have each on our own path and together in conversations experienced a growing awareness of the long history of systemic American racism, the many ways that systemic racism is still at work in the world. And for many of us, we have been humbled by what we don't know. As a congregation, you followed that curiosity already, and you've committed to that learning and the work. The session has a conversation on it every time we meet. And this year, we're planning to dive even more deeply as we learn more about what an embodied commitment to anti-racism work looks like, and particularly, particularly what reparation work might look like. And you hear more about that as the Church and Society team leads us this spring in a six-week learning experience. Perhaps the most obvious sense of the unknown right now in this community is the pastoral transition. You are in the midst of something entirely new. For 15 years, you've lived life together with Joanne Witt, and her retirement is a loss that is deeply felt. And what lies ahead is unknown. What are the questions that you're bringing to that? What's the light for, for just the next step? And then the next, and then the next. Those are questions for us as a community, and each of us brings into this new year our own curiosity in our own personal life. What are the questions that you are bringing into this? What is, how are you entering the new stages and the new phases of your life? I've added something to the bulletin. I don't know if you've noticed it yet. It's not that obvious, but it's at the very end on the calendar page. And it's just a couple of lines that say something to do. So one of my teachers uh, and mentors, Reverend Dr. J. Alfred Smith Sr., who is pastor emeritus at Allen, Allen Temple Baptist Church in, uh, in Oakland, he says that no sermon is complete and no worship is, experience is complete until it offers us something to do. And we say and profess here that our worship is connected to our work. So each week I'm just going to put that at the end of the bulletin. Something to do. So as you process your experience of worship and think about what, what that might lead you to do in the world, even if it's just to say a prayer, um, you can write that down. This week, maybe you want to think about what question you're bringing into this new year. What are you curious about? What's the light that you need for that next new step? I don't know about you, but I find some comfort in that invitation to sit in the present moment and to honor our questions. Whatever our question is, we don't have to have everything figured out. We don't need to know right now how it will all work out. The Magi didn't know where they were going, but they did have to take the next step. They wondered at the star in the night sky and looked for the light for the next step. The invitation to sit in the moment with our questions and our curiosity honors the enormity of the world and how much we don't know.
and and it honors honors our creative and created capacity to engage the world to learn and make a life together it's how god has made us to experience the world to ask the questions and to make a life together which with each other and with god we think of epiphany as that moment when the star stopped over the house where the maybe two-year-old Jesus was living and how the Magi were filled with superabounding joy and worshiped God, God made manifest right there in Jesus Christ, yes. But their experience of epiphany didn't start there. The Magi arrived there because they experienced epiphany in the light for each next step in the journey. God made manifest there, and in the next step, and in the next. The Magi lived in a scary and sinister world, and one night they looked up into the sky and saw a star and said, I wonder. And they followed their curiosity, they ventured out toward what they didn't know, and with each step, they made their way toward Christ. As we enter this new year, may our curiosity lead us into epiphany. May we experience in the light for each new step God made manifest in Jesus Christ in the midst of us in each step of the journey and in the life we live together to bless the world that God loves so very much.